Welcome, friends old and new, to Marketing Mavericks, a consumed media vlogcast. I'm your host, Leo Falkenstein. In this vlogcast, we're here to dive into the world of marketing, technology, and career and personal development, with our goal of helping you navigate the ever-changing landscapes that the marketing world has to offer. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just starting your journey, we're here to inspire, educate, and empower you to become a true marketing maverick. In this exciting episode of our vlogcast, I am joined by Jason Rosenblatt, founder of Sympathea Growth. In this episode, we're gonna dive into the importance of networking, how understanding the LinkedIn algorithm can lead to your success on that platform, and also why taking action right now is the key to reaching your goals. Let's dive into it and let's have some fun. All right, good morning, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? We How's are, everybody doing over there? <laughs> everyone's doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Consume Media is doing well. I just got back from a nice little island vacation last night. So a little refreshed and a ready, little ready to get back to work and a little or a lot ready to talk to you here today, Jason. Awesome. Um, I like to, I want to start with the, the funny way how we somewhat met each other, Jason. I think we're, we're LinkedIn friends because um, I think on my birthday or sometime a few years ago, I posted a picture of me and my Consume Media hockey jersey. And I'm pretty sure you responded immediately and said, I need to know this guy. <laughs> he's, he's a hockey player. He's got Consume Media hockey jerseys where we play men's league. Let, let's meet each other. And I think just a, a nice little hockey connection is what, what got our, our uh, relationship off the ground. It, it is for sure. Um, and for anybody listening that doesn't know this, Atlanta has a huge uh, like beer league is what we call it, right? Uh, you don't have to drink beer, but it's uh, it's it's frowned upon, I think, if you don't after a game. Uh, but it's one of the largest adult hockey organizations in the country, which surprises a lot of people. Uh, so anytime I have the opportunity to meet somebody that has that uh, that intersection of the business world and the hockey world, I'm like, I, I absolutely like Leo. You said I'm like, I gotta meet this person. Uh, and then as we started kind of peeling back the layers of the onion uh turns out that i at the time was a teammate with a very good friend of yours from college jake goodman um and yeah we sort of just hit it off from there i love it yeah and that's how how these relationships start sometime linkedin yep. hockey business startups all small world yep. uh, but jason you've had some interesting new developments in your life and yeah. you are have now started sympathia Tell yep. me a little bit about Sympathia. Give, give me your best sales pitch here. Yeah. Well, one other interesting development that I've, uh, that I've had in my life in the past couple months is also my puppy named Leo, uh, <laughs> named after you, uh, and also Leo Messi, uh, the greatest soccer player of all time, but primarily after you. Um, yeah. So I, I realized that, that there's this void in, um, in the startup world right now, where you have technical founders who are brilliant at what they do at building product, engineering, uh, software development, design, um, and they're brilliant at what they do at, and, and getting this product off the ground. And in most cases, getting a couple of customers, founder-led sales, and then they hit a wall. Uh, they don't know where to go from there, and it is. 
what what happens a lot of the time is they will then think that oh I need to hire a, like a like a super senior salesperson um, and give them a fancy title and that'll solve all my problems. Um, but oftentimes that first VP of sales or whatever head of sales, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> there's lots of studies around this, but almost seventy percent of them fail within a year, and that is catastrophic for uh, for a startup that is operating very lean, especially with the economy now, the way venture capital is incredibly expensive and, and um, difficult to obtain now, uh, more than ever, more, not more than ever, but definitely more than it has been in the last probably 10 years. Uh, so to, to hire someone who's expensive only for them to not work out and drive the revenue you were expecting them to drive will set you back and could be, like I said, like a, like a catastrophic event for that startup. And I noticed that this was like a, like I said, it's a, it was a common thing that was happening. Um, it, it, a very common theme with these technical founders. And um, I was like, I can help. This is what I'm good at. Like I can come in and help uh, these founders develop a, a really strong foundation uh, for sales, a repeatable a sales process uh, so that they can start driving revenue, repeatable revenue, scalable revenue um, in a consistent way. And then um, ultimately I'll hire somebody to take over for me. So sort of swoop in, swoop out uh, over, you know, a couple months, couple quarters, whatever it is. And they're in a really good spot uh, by the time I'm finished and I'm leaving. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the genesis of this. I've been doing this for other companies for, for a long time as like a full-time employee where I go in and fix or build or whatever. Uh, but now I'm sort of going this like consultant route where I can help a lot of different companies. It's been, it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. First time doing anything sort of entrepreneurial. So I love it. Yeah. And that one answer, because, you know, we haven't really had this full conversation between me and you of exactly what you guys are doing at Sympathia. You know, I've been seeing your LinkedIn posts. I've seen everything you've been putting out there, but you know, hearing you explain it, you know, it, it's there, there's, you know, I'm going to give a little video plug. There's nothing like seeing someone say and speak and watch somebody talk about what it is they're doing on video. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of my sales pitch, but you, you have me asking so many questions and, the first question I'm curious about is why, why do the VPs of sales, why do 70% of them fail? Like that, how the founders might fail makes a lot of sense. That's, they're not salespeople. Why are the heads of sales coming in and, and failing? I think it comes down to a couple of different things. I think that hiring is, is, is probably the biggest issue. Whereas, these CEOs don't know what to look for in that first sales hire. Uh, oftentimes, you'll have somebody who has been uh, successful at another startup in a more junior role, and the CEO is taking a leap of faith, that first leap of faith with that sales hire and saying, well, you've been a manager here. You, you're ready to take this leap to be the person to build everything out. And that's a, that's a big risk. Um, to, to be a person at a company that has been around the growth versus being the person that's responsible, mm. especially at a startup where there are far fewer resources um, 
in some cases, like no resources, you have to be incredibly scrappy and uh, sort of figure stuff out on your own. Um, and, and a lot of the times, like you're, you, you've got to go in and start building and figuring these things out while you're still going to be on the hook for revenue. Mm-hmm. And that combination is, is just very difficult and leads to a, a low success rate, high failure rate, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's, that's oftentimes the, the challenge, right? Like if you're a startup, you don't have a big budget to go out and hire, uh, somebody that has, that, that is going to demand a higher, you know, salary. Um, so oftentimes you're going to hire somebody a little bit more inexperienced and with that inexperience comes, you know, some of the challenges that I just outlined. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what it, that's, that's, if I had to like point to one thing, even though that's like one big thing, one big topic, there are a lot of layers to that. That's, that's it. And it sounds like, cause one thing that I always, I, I've heard, I don't know if it's a direct quote, but this idea that if, if you, that you need to be able to sell, it, it, it's, sorry, I'm trying to say you can have a high budget and you can be successful in sales with a high budget, but that's a totally different ball game than being successful in sales with a low budget, which seems to be the companies that you're working with is these super early stage startups that don't have the low budget. So maybe hiring the VP who's managed a 50 person sales team before isn't the right fit. Correct. Yeah. And also again, like you're coming in as a, you know, first time head of sales, not only are you the first time head of sales ever for, for your career, but also for that company. Uh, so you're learning what it means to be a head of sales. You're learning what it means to be a head of sales at a startup. Um, and oftentimes those expectations are very, are very misaligned. Um, you know, speaking from experience, I was early in my career and I wanted nothing more than to be a VP of sales at a software startup. And there was a group of guys that I sort of came up with when I was working in New York City and a couple of guys got promoted. And I'm like, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And uh, I jumped at an opportunity without really go putting it through any sort of level of scrutiny on my end. And uh, it turned out to be a bad move um, for a variety of reasons, but primarily uh, where what I was expecting and all the glamour and glitz, like heavy air quotes there. Uh, what I was expecting to come in and be this VP of sales was not the reality. Like I had to learn how to do everything and build everything with next to zero resources and also very little product market fit, right? There were a couple customers and uh, it's not like, it's just like pour gas on a fire and it goes like, no, like we have to figure out how to actually get this thing going while there's an expectation, like I had mentioned earlier, that you're going to start driving sales. Like it's about ROI, right? You're a business owner. You understand it. If you spend X, you want to get something in return. So if you're spending X and then month after month after month, you're not getting the return, you're going to start getting a little antsy. Um, and especially with a short runway for that, these startups have and their investors in the, in like, in their ear, like got to get to profitability or got to get to break even. There's not a lot of money out there to give you. Um, it's scary as hell for a founder to be in that position. So this, this model that, uh, that I, that I have right now, it really mitigates a lot of the risk for the founders because we're not 
uh, we're, we're not locking anything up long-term. This is like, I'm coming in, fixing a lot of things and building this process for you to be able to scale. Um, and it's very, it's, it's very objective, like the success metrics here. Um, so the, we're really, like I said, mitigating a ton of the risk for, for that business and mitigating the risk for me selfishly, because I'm not attaching myself to one organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows me to work with a lot of different, uh, different founders, different, different industries, which is, which is really cool. I love learning, uh, a lot about a lot of different industries and, and, uh, and products. Love it. And that, that long answer right there kind of sparks a totally, no, a, re- a very related question in my mind. So let me frame it this way. You and I, we're both business owners, right? We're both in the services industry. Both of us also are working with a lot of companies in the software startup technology space. So I want to focus on what you're doing to get the business for yourself, because it is a wildly different ballgame to get business in the services industry than it is in the software industry. So tell me a little bit about your go-to-market strategy and what's working for you. So I'm still new at this. I'm not nearly at the level consume that just puts up you're putting out great content it's also sort of like a cheat code for you guys because that's actually what you do so you're drinking your own champagne <laughs> uh uh but for me and my decision to kind of shift gears and go this route um it's just the adage of like your network is your net worth and i've uh, worked really hard in my career in the last almost two decades now building a really strong network of not just people that I know, but people that, that I like and like me, um, that we've either worked together or have had, you know, encounters or, or conversations, um, always try to leave a positive impression, everybody that I meet, um, and that has proven to be incredibly rewarding as I ventured into this new business, um, because all of the, all of the, that I've had and the clients that I have so far, even though this is fairly new, um, have been completely warm referrals and warm introductions. So um, I'm still like I'm still at that stage where I, I want to figure out how to create some content. There are a lot of ideas in this dome uh, that I'd like to get out there that I'm still trying to figure out the right format. Um, and, and whether that's just like a, a creative release or a way to generate more brand awareness. And ultimately generate additional, you know, referrals, uh, or business, uh, or all of the above. Right now, the pipeline is primarily through uh, through warm referrals within my network, which has been which has been very, which has been great. I love it. I mean, that's still how we get a lot of business is from yeah. referrals in the professional services industry. Again. We can say that our videos are better than the next video production company, right? And maybe they are. Maybe they're not. But ultimately, (laughs) you said it, not me. Um, Yeah. um, You know, ultimately, people want to do business with people they know, people they can trust, um, and people they have a relationship with. So, I mean, it it totally makes sense to me. I mean, again, I've been doing this for a long time. We crank out a lot of content. We try to get a lot of brand awareness. We... Again, drink our own Kool-Aid or drink our old champagne because we can post our videos, our LinkedIn to say, hey, they're cool. And videos are naturally going to get good engagement on LinkedIn. So there's all that, too. But like at the end of the day, 
in the professional services industry in the agency world, you know, it's a lot about relationships and it's a lot about yeah. building that network. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm at the point where I, I'm sort of like, a, I'm, I, I guess I'm an extroverted introvert. Uh, I think that you're probably similar in some ways where like, if you're having a conversation with someone, it'll go, but I, I hate networking. Uh, like I don't put me in a room and make me, I, I can't do that, <clears throat> but I love to chat and I love to talk with somebody that I know, or even like loosely know that person, I, we can hit it off. Um, and the, uh, what, so what I've done is I've, I've always been in the school of thought of like, take every introduction, take every call because mm-hmm. uh, you never know what that's going to lead to. Absolutely. And like I said, like always leave a positive impression, everybody that you meet, that doesn't mean like be, you know, fake. Like I'm, I, I consider myself, uh, to be very authentic. I'm very transparent. Um, you're always going to get like the real version of me. Um, so there's consistency there. Uh, but also, um, I, I do make it a point to leave some sort of a positive impression mm-hmm. on everybody that I have a conversation with, even if it's just a couple minutes or, or whatever. Um, and I don't believe in burning bridges. Uh, you know, pleasure I'm like really fortunate to work for some incredible companies with incredible people. And I've made it a point to keep, to keep in touch with, uh, with, with those people. Um, even my first job out of college, I, I worked at enterprise rent a car right out of college in the management training program. Um, I was desperate for a after I graduated. And anyway, uh, but there are even people from, from that I'm still connected with and I still keep in touch with. Yeah, I mean, it's, you never know what those chance encounters, those chance meetings are going to turn into at some point. Um, so get yourself out there and kind of, um, you know, break out of the shell. Yeah. In, in a way that works for you. Totally. And kind of on that note, like I, I have a couple of kind of things that I've seen on my end that you may or may not have seen the same things. It's like, hey, Let's break this up into a couple different categories. But first of all, you know, the staying in touch with people and building relationships, right? Like, even if you are reaching out to somebody potentially for new business, but you know them, you're going to get a high response rate, you know, whether it's a cold lead, but you know them, you're going to get a high response rate, right? So if you know 200 people and you reach out to all of them, probably 100 of them are going to respond, whether they say yes or no that's a different story, but a hundred of them are going to respond versus if you're going to 200 people, you don't know what are five to 10 of them going to respond. Maybe like something like that. Like, so it's just, it's utilizing, it's meeting the people and utilizing those people. If they don't have new business for you now, that's fine. They might know someone who does, but they're also going to remember that you reached out and said, Hey, how are you? What's new in your world? Right. So that's one thing that, that I've seen to be very interesting with, with using your network and also kind of back to your first point, it's, you know, I also am am not going to be the biggest fan of being, Hey, Leo, go to every networking event possible and make small talk. And maybe someone there is going to want to buy videos. But if you, if you say, Hey, Leo, talk to this person about video, 
I could do that all day. You know, it's fun to talk about things that you know about. It's fun to talk about things that, you know, you're somewhat of an expert in. And it's fun okay. to, to talk about pe- things that ultimately, you know, could lead to new business, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I also, a couple other things that I've, I've found, um, it's, it, and this is in no particular order, but when you're having a conversation with someone, uh, don't make it about you. Uh, you know, always like what's going on in your world, like what's going on with you, like how, how's the family, how's business, whatever. Um, and then, you know, naturally, like not inevitably, but like naturally the conversation should then transition to like, so tell me about what you have going on. Um, but you're not, you're not like just dumping all over them with like, let me tell you all about me. Uh, so I think there's like a, a, a genuine approach to that when you're having these conversations and then you know, leaving it with a, like, is there anything I can do to help you out? Or is there any introduction? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever it is, right? So don't make it one-sided. Like, that's a big, I, I see people do that. And it's just, that's like, no, come on. Like, that's not, that's not great. And then the other thing that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating to me still, um, you mentioned LinkedIn and content and putting stuff out there. And I've got, you know, a good friend of mine. Is very big on LinkedIn and LinkedIn branding and teaching executives uh, how to do better branding uh, for themselves and for their company on LinkedIn. And he's he's done a really good job of like learning the algorithm. And he's been invited to LinkedIn a bunch of times. And he's developed a big following. And I've noticed uh, a few other you know thought leaders on LinkedIn that have done a really good job of building this massive following. Where they'll something and it'll get you know tons of activity, tons of impressions, like hundreds of thousands of impressions, mm-hmm. and I think the key there is to like get get out there on LinkedIn um, and be be thoughtful about what you're doing. Don't just like I saw a dog today. Like don't just like do, do post mindless stuff. Like be thoughtful about uh, about what you're posting. Um, understand how the algorithm works to the best of your ability, to the best of our abilities. It's changing and fairly a little bit of a black box. But leverage LinkedIn as much as you can because there have been so many. I, I, I can't even like count how frequently someone will, will reach out to me and, and randomly be like, I love the, con- I love your content. And I don't think I put good content out at all. Like compared to other people, I just randomly put stuff out there. It's not as thoughtful as it should be. Um, I had coffee the other day with somebody here in, in town um, who I've known for a while, but, like through people and, we finally linked up in person. We have some mutual friends and whatever. And he's like, yeah, I've been following your content on LinkedIn for, for years. It's great. I was like, what? Like fan. Uh, so <laughs> it's just, so I, I think the moral of the story is if like this guy could do it, then you could definitely do it. And um, people are paying attention to it. And obviously if the more thoughtful you are, um, about, about the stuff that you're posting and if you kind of like, to like the, the topics that you know a lot about and you're able to talk a lot about, it'll it'll benefit you in the long run. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see it immediately, but you're building the brand, you're building the awareness, and I think that's something that you, uh, you and the team do incredibly well too with uh, consume and your own personal brand. So just yeah, to anybody out there, just like keep doing that. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, it, you know, I say I'm never going to expect one single post to get me any business. But what I am hoping for when I post on LinkedIn every day is that, you know, when somebody thinks that they need video, 
they remember that they saw me post about this or they've been seeing me post every single day and they think about me as and consume media as the video marketing experts, you know, of Atlanta, of the Southeast, of I'm not going to say the world. We're not there yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> Walk before you run, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> love it. Jason, I think we could talk forever. I do try to keep these around 20 to 25 minutes. Yep. So I want to wrap it up with, with just, uh, I just want to ask you, you know, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow a similar journey to you or what lessons have you learned on the way that you think it's super important to, to tell the world? Something that I learned uh, recently is um, just a simple concept of uh, action creates momentum. Um, and we all have this idea in our head of like, I want to do this thing. I want to learn how to play guitar. I want to learn, I want to run a marathon. Um, I want to start my own business. And, and you're oftentimes just consumed with like the end product. And, and, and it's, it's like, it's very intimidating thinking of all the steps that you need to go through, to get to that end result of actually being able to play guitar, actually being able to, and like, you've got to just start, like start and action creates momentum. Um, so for me, starting this is something that I've been thinking about forever. And it was simple as it, it really was as simple as like, uh, there was a conversation I was having and I was like, what do you think about this with a, with a startup founder? And they're like, this sounds great. I was like, all right, I think I have a company now. And then I built, I'd like bought a domain name. And I bought, I like, I have an LLC now, like it just started going and now I have a business. Like it's not, it's not an idea anymore. It's a real thing. Um, and the action creates momentum. Like I can't stress that enough. Like stop just thinking about it, like get off the sidelines and just like start somewhere. That's so true. And like in the business front, it's like, Hey, sometimes you're intimidated by putting that presentation together. But just click that keynote button in the bottom of your screen, and then the presentation software is open. Like that's like a real start. thing, right? Just freaking start. Just, just start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Um, and Jason, just any you know, tell us a little bit about uh, who, where people can find you. What's a good lead for you? And uh, we we can close this up. Yeah. Um, so I'm working with uh, startup founders and CEOs that are, you know, uh, less than, you know, a million in, in annual revenue. Uh, they're, they can have sales team or not. It doesn't really matter. And they're looking to figure out how to start scaling their sales function, their revenue function. It's sort of industry agnostic. It doesn't matter. Uh, it, that's kind of irrelevant. Um, uh, so that's sort of like that sweet spot, you know, sort of like a technical founder, less than a million in a annual revenue uh, that's looking to scale their their uh, their sales. I'm very active, so you can just find me on there. That's probably the best place. Or if you want to go to my website, Sympathia Growth, it's... Uh, Sympathia is a, I'm very big into stoicism, but it's this, uh, this is the idea that all things are interwoven with each other and therefore have an affinity for each other. So this idea of like putting pieces together uh, to build a, you know, successful startup, like putting everything together um, so that uh, things can start to grow. Um, so of course I had to use a story. 
specific idea with the naming of my company. I chose something that's really easy to pronounce and spell. <laughs> so, so that's good. <laughs> Maybe we'll change it. It's all right. Like, You'll still be surprised the amount of people who say, so what does consume mean? Consume it. Consume or consume It's French. Yeah. So even if you write an English word that is super, you see every day, it can still get mispronounced. Exactly. Love it that. doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Jason, it was an absolute pleasure uh, getting you on well, this episode of Marketing Mavericks here today. Um, any parting words or we feel good here? So good. So good. Thanks for having me. It was always great to chat with you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of our vlogcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to follow us on social media to stay updated on all future episodes, as well as a wide variety of other video marketing content. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on LinkedIn by searching for Consume Media. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to bringing you more engaging discussions in the future. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share this vlogcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And with that, I'm out.